Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I don't know about you, but um, I mentioned at the beginning of service that when we step into his presence, he is a roaring fire. And everything in us that doesn't align with who he says we are and his character nature, because we're made in his image, it starts to boil. Anybody had that happen? Like, you know, um, I love this phrase. You know, it talks about in Romans 12, it says, you know, that the renewing of our, by our, the renewing of our minds, we are able to prove, demonstrate the will of God. As he changes our mind to be in alignment with his mind, given the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit inside, guess what? We automatically align with and begin to put into practice and bring to earth the supernatural will of God. Another way to put that is the renewed mind makes the impossible look logical. Stepping out of the boat and walking on waves. Anybody here, you felt God called you to do something, your first reaction was, uh-uh, not possible, not going to happen, not survivable. Do you guys remember when Jesus like, guys, I've got good news for you. I'm going to go die on a cross. Yay! And Peter goes, uh-uh, not happening. I know you are the author of life. I know you're the resurrection and life. I know who you are. You can't die. God, Jesus says, watch me. Get behind me, Satan. Right? The renewed mind makes what seems utterly ridiculous logical. And today, I believe God wants to confront those things in us. One of the issues, though, is um, anybody heard a promise of God and you're like, I would like that to be true, but the reality is it ain't. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, 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 or have you ever met somebody and you're like, how are you doing? Blessed and highly favored. And you're like, your house burned down. Like, don't give me that stuff. But no, seriously, like you're like, it just what you want to like throttle them. You're like, you're dying. Stop giving me that. Right. So the funny thing is in the seventies, everybody was taught, dude, my truth, whatever goes, what I feel, you know, if you can't love the one you're with, you know, can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. And we're like, that didn't turn out very well. So into the eighties, we had a whole movement of scripture. And everybody just started quoting scripture over things. Anybody here quoted a scripture over something and nothing changed? Because it's not a magic spell. Uh Right? No. The scripture, the truth of God comes to confront something in me that is not in alignment with it. But what I do at that point makes all the difference. Anybody here, you've been scared out of your mind and you're you're like, oh. He will never leave me or forsake me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. But you feel utterly all alone. Anybody? Listen, quoting the scripture over and over and over again is simply making it a magic spell unless I allow his word to have its work in me. Okay? And that's what we're going to be going after today. So let me ask you. I'll, I'll, I'll start out. I'll start out. I'll, 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 uh, I'll lead out. So um, over the week, some of you guys know, I was in Wyoming for a pastor's retreat. And you need to understand, the last time I went there last year, it was horrible. Not because of anybody else, but just because of me. Because do you know if you have Holy Spirit on the inside, you can thrive anywhere? Anybody here blamed everybody else? Okay. Anyway, I had a horrible time, and here's why. 
it's in this deep mountain valley. And I sat there in a chair. I couldn't walk last year. I, um, many of you know I had torn a, a ligament on my knee. I couldn't walk. I sat in this massage chair and tried to manage the pain. And the whole time I stared at this mountain, 1,500 feet right in front of me, just whoosh, And it was like it was mocking me. Because everybody else is like athletic and going about. And I'm like, <laughs> like I couldn't move. Like it was so, I mean, literally I'm dragging my leg like, like uh, eager or whatever. Anyway. And uh, do you want to know something? This year, I hiked that whole thing straight up, right up, 1,800 feet. Man, crushed it. I was amazing. It was incredible. Last year, it was saying, you're nothing. Anybody here stuck in a season where you feel like the promises of God aren't true for you? That one was true. But do you know what happened then? I got sick. Who are my people when you get sick, you become moofy? That's a technical term. Right? Anyway, and so suddenly I found myself not having the same kind of energy, and I'm kind of on the outside. And so I, I took a bunch of horseback rides, and people were talking to me about horses. Why did you like horses? And I said this phrase. I said, well, I kind of grew up. My, my dad's friend, best friend had a horse in our field. I lived out in the country two or three miles from town, and I had no friends because the nearest kids lived like miles away. And uh, the one friend who came only would come, his dad said he could come if he was willing to run <laughs> to my house. Strangely enough, that wasn't really in, inviting. Um, anyway, and so I would come home from school and just stand in the field with this old broken down horse who was depressed out of his mind because he was alone. I mean, it was a great combination. I would just stand, his name was Bojangles. I would just pet Bojangles and Bojangles was like, yeah, whatever, Right? And I said this phrase to someone. I said, I had a lonely childhood. And I don't think I've ever said that phrase out loud. And part of me was like, that's true, but is it true? Anybody had something go through your head and you feel like some alarm bells go off, but you have no idea what they mean? Yeah. And I was like, whatever it is, I don't like what's behind that door. <laughs> right? And, uh, and, and God kept saying, why don't we sit and talk about that for a minute? Now, God says, what, what does he say? What his promise is, I will never leave you or forsake you. But I felt very alone. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Here's the truth. And here is true. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> wow, that got awkward fast. Wow, man, wow. Some, some people need Bible check, not just grammar check. I will never, gosh, wow. This, this thing took a very dark turn. Okay, wow. Whew, Jesus. That was just a test. She passed. I don't know about y'all. But anyway, all right. But, but then there's the true or the facts or my feelings? And my feelings were, I'm all alone. And God said, why don't we talk about that? I was like, I'd rather not. It says, he stands at the door of our heart and knocks doesn't say he stops. 
Anybody had that? You've just ignored the knocking. You're like, nice rhythm, right? He's still knocking. You can't escape it. But anyway, I sat there with him and I said, okay, fine. I was alone. You left me all alone. Why? Listen, you haven't talked to God until you yelled at him. He can handle it. He's a big boy. He made the universe. He's not scared. And he said this phrase to me. He said, you, never, you were never alone. You were always mine. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't help. Anybody here? You got an answer from God and you're like, that doesn't help. God confounds our mind to open our hearts if we're willing to admit that we are confounded. And he said this. So I was like, why? He said, said, because only in that silence could you learn to hear my voice and be a pathfinder for others whose ears are too filled with the voices of others to find me and hear me on their own. Wow. Wow. And he began to speak to me and began to bring memories back and show me where he was. Because the lie of the enemy is God wasn't with me in that season. Anybody have a season where you're pretty sure he was on vacation? Listen, he wants to show you. He wants to rewrite our history if we're willing. But what we have to be willing to do is to allow the uncomfortable truth stand side by side with what we actually believe. Does that make sense? And if we stay at this religiosity, he'll never leave me or forsake me, but I feel desperately all alone. I will never know the truth of his presence that does never leave me or forsake me. So we're going to, it's interesting. I was thinking about this whole thing about truth and throughout scripture, you see it over and over again. This is the line that pivots, right? You guys remember what was the problem with Eve? She believed a lie and therefore ended up in a bad place. Adam, when asked, where are you? He didn't answer with the truth. He answered with the facts. Didn't help him, did it? Abraham goes down to Egypt and he knows that Pharaoh is jonesing for some time with his bride and is afraid that Pharaoh is going to kill him to get some time with his bride. So he says, not a problem, take her. True, Pharaoh can kill you? Yes. Truth, my life is hidden with Christ and God, right? Funny thing is, Isaac does the same thing as his dad. Anybody here repeated some truths from your family tree? Over and over again, we see this pattern throughout scripture. But today, I want to focus on two of them, okay? So if you guys got Bibles, we're going to be in John and Matthew. You know, in John chapter 14, he says, Jesus says, I am the truth, right? The way, the truth, and the life. We all have our truth, small t, but anybody found your truth, small t, just leads you in a circle chasing your tail. But if we are to understand he is the truth, then we've got to listen to him and allow him to confound those truths we believe. But part of you are like, well, good luck. Jesus left us. Well, I've got good news. Because a little further on, what does he tell us? Chapter 16, he says, I, verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. He he talks to us in bite-sized nuggets. 
But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because from me, uh, because it is from me and that he will receive what he will make known to you. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said the spirit will receive from me and he will make known to you. If you have said yes to Jesus, you have Holy Spirit in the inside speaking to you what you need in the present moment. What you need in the present moment. Um, who here is asking some questions not about the present moment? We're going to die! Today? No, tomorrow. I'm going to tell you right here and now, God doesn't talk to you about tomorrow. Not the way we want it, too. Anybody like, I need a plan. He says, trust me. I was like, that's not a plan. Right? Why? We want it all mapped out. He talks to us about today. He said, each day has enough trouble of its own. Who are my planners? Yeah? So God says, okay, fine. Trust me. I'm going to take you to a land you do not know. Does not help me. Right? He said, go. Go. And, and who here, you, make, you just decide to make it up for yourself. You guys remember Abraham? God's like, go. You will be a father of nations. And what does Abraham say? Father of nations, right? Well, we got father of nations. And what does he say? I ain't, huh? I don't have any kids. And my wife is way postmenopausal. Not even sure she likes me anymore. Right, father? He goes, how can this be, God? You say I'm father. He says, I will give you a son. Do you not think Abraham's like, Sarah, I got great news. What do you think Sarah said? You're out of your mind, you dingbat, right? Like you should have, go back into it and give me a plan. <laughs> but what happens is God's, but he gets tired of waiting. And so what does he do? Takes matters into his own hands, right? Or Sarah does. Sarah gets tired. Do you know the promise of God can condemn you if you think it's on you to fulfill it? So she goes, take Hagar. That worked out. Awesome. Really great. Look it up. Train wreck. Because when I believe the truth, I'll never experience the truth of what God promises. Anyway. So we have the Holy Spirit on the inside. The great news is, even if you've not given your life to Jesus, Holy Spirit can talk to you. He talked to Nebuchadnezzar. He talked to Ahimelech. He talks, he talks all the time. Now, whether we listen or not is another issue. All right. So let's follow the, the couple guys we're going to be watching today. All right. Um, hold, hold, hold here in John. I'm just going to flip over to Matthew 26. We're going to be watching two guys. I'll let you in on it. Judas and Peter. Both of them are facing things in their lives that are not pretty. Matthew 26, 33. Jesus has just said, guys, every one of you is going to bail on me. I'm going to the cross. Y'all are going to bail on me. And what does Peter say? Peter replied, ah, even if all fall away. On account of you, I never will. Do you think he believed that? Yeah. Yeah. I think he believed it. 
Absolutely. <clears throat> but if we flip over to John 18, verse 17, Jesus has been arrested just a couple hours later, and he's there before the high priest. And Peter is out in the courtyard. And it says, one of the people asked him, hey, you aren't one of this man's disciples, are you? She asked Peter. And what does he say? No way, Jose. Absolutely not. Does that, now, does that sound true? But I got to stay alive if I'm still going to follow him, right? Who here? You know how to fudge. You know what I mean? You're like lower the standards to meet the needs of the day. And it says, it was cold and the servants and officials stood around this charcoal fire that they had made to keep warm. And Peter was also standing with them, warming himself. They go on another time. They're like, hey, dude, seriously, you're a Galilean. I can tell you sound like a hick. He's like, no, I mean, no, right? Like, I don't know what you told, I mean, no, right? He's just struggling, but it's interesting. I love the Gospels because the Gospels are like a multi-camera show where you're seeing things from different angles. And you look over in Matthew 26, and the way it says it in verse 73, it says, after a little while, this is the third time, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. And then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't even know the man, don't even like him. <laughs> and immediately a rooster crowed, because Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. For the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Anybody know the despair? The interesting thing is when the truth comes, the initial response oftentimes is despair. Why do you think when the truth comes, despair is the first thing? First, we talked last time, perfect love casts out all fear. Do you know what I would say? Perfect truth casts out despair. Why would despair come when the truth comes? What would you say? Anybody heard a truth and you just went, oh, I'm just helping you guys out. Let me give you an example. We were praying today about victory. Praying about victory. We were praying and, and immediately all of us saw areas of our lives where we want to hear, see the victory of the Lord. But the first thing we have to recognize is that we are despairing in those areas, right? We don't have a hope. Like, my throat hurts right now. Like, I, you know, it's so funny. My knee gets healed and then I come down off the mountain and my throat hurts. Anybody here, your, your faith lasts for just one miracle at a time? Right? I'm like, oh, right? There, this, this, we have to be real and honest with the despair that my life does not line up with the truth of what he says. Does that make sense? I, only if we admit we're bankrupt can he become our all in all. Only if we admit we're dead can he raise us to life again. Only if we admit that we have taken matters into our own hands, Hagar, can we actually recognize that he still wants to fulfill the promises he gave us. That despair is a gateway if if we'll let it. He says, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know what you have to do to hunger for righteousness? Not have it. Ah, things are, you say this, but my life is this. I'm honest with it. I'm honest with it. I'm not gussying up and going, blessed and highly favored. No, no. 
Listen, my life is not 100% in alignment with what he says is the truth over my life. Can we be honest about that? Does, do I have the full abundance in every area of my life? No. Better than it's been before? Yes. But I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. And so here's Peter. Peter weeps. He's despairing because he thought he would follow Jesus to the end on his own steam. And Jesus said, good luck, camper. Ain't going to happen. We cannot follow God on sentiment. We can't follow God on the strength of our own emotion. Anybody found your emotion wane somewhere around 3 a.m.? A.m., p.m., 2 a.m., 7.30? I don't know. <laughs> Choose your hour. But, you know, right at the same time, right in that same place over in Matthew 27, just a few verses on, Judas, you guys remember Judas? Nice guy? We, by the way, Marina's son is Judah, not Judas, just to be clear. It's just <laughs> oh my gosh. But anyway, so Judas, right? Jude, but it's interesting. You know what? Judah and Judas are the same name. They just did, uh, delineated those in English because we just were like, we still like Judah, like Lion of the tribe of Judah, not the Lion of the tribe of Judas right? We want to be clear. We're like, no, no. But his name was Judah. It meant praise. It meant one who leads the worshipers. And do you know what it tells us? It says that he had been stealing money from the money bag that he had been keeping for Jesus. Anybody done that? That little creep? Yeah, it's not a big deal. I need a new pair of Gucci's. It's not a big deal. Right? Anybody followed the creep of the little T? I need to cut corners to meet this need. I need this. I need that. Anybody? Three of us? Okay. And it brings to this place where I love it. Some people say that the reason Judas sold out Jesus was because G- all the disciples thought they were getting thrones. They all thought Jesus was going to take over Israel. They were going to get thrones. You see it throughout. And Judas is getting impatient. Anybody got impatient with Jesus? Thought you'd help him out? The idea was, some people have floated, is that Judas sold out Jesus to move up the timeline. They're like, dude, he's going to go face to face, toe to toe with the high priest. He's going to whip out into pow, pow, pow. It's going to be amazing. We're going to take over. Did that happen? No. And it says, when Judas, verse 3 of 27, Matthew 27 says, who had betrayed him saw that Jesus was condemned. Anybody here, you did what was right in your own eyes to help Jesus out and the exact opposite happened? When he saw that he was condemned, he was seized with remorse. Sounds a lot like Peter, doesn't it? And he returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? They replied, that's your responsibility. So what did he do? In his remorse. So he got here by taking things into his own hands. What do you think he's about to do? Continue. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. And then he went away and hung himself. If, that, if I meet despair and attempt to resolve it myself, I will end up way worse. Anybody here tried to resolve that despair in the middle of the night? 
when you realize, my goodness, I'm losing everything. Oh my goodness, I, I'm, I am, whatever the consequences of my own efforts to save myself, to do my life, to, ah, despair. If I do not take that despair to the feet of Jesus, what do you say, God? What do you say? See, if I'm not honest with the despair, anybody have a friend, not you, of course, who is not being honest with their despair? Like you can see it and they're like, how are you doing? They're like, they're like, We're not honest with the despair. God can't confront it. But when we're honest with it and we attempt to resolve it in our own strength, we will end up in a much worse place. But watch what happens to Peter. Flip over to John 21. This is where we're going to camp. If I can find it. John 21. I love this. This is just, I just love it. God of the universe just was crucified, resurrected from the dead. The greatest event in history. And he decides this is how he wants to spend his morning. One of the things a lot of people will say is, I just can't believe that God of the universe would be concerned with the little things in my life. Oh, I promise you he is. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way, Simon Peter... By the way, that, that whole thing of Simon Peter, what did Jesus call Simon? Peter. But anybody here have two names? The name everybody else knows you by and the one that Jesus knows you by? Which one's the true one? Anybody get confused? Anyway, Simon, Thomas, known as Didymus, <coughs> um, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, and the two sons of Zebedee, two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. Now here's the question. Jesus has risen from the dead, right? And what does he do? He decides to go fishing. Now, why? Because that was, anybody here? God told you, wait for me. And you're like, I can't wait anymore. I'm going fishing. I'm going to go back to what I did before. I'm going to go back. I can't wait anymore. I'm going to get me some. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Who are my people? You've done that, right? You're like, oh, I can't wait anymore. I'm going to go fulfill my need. Maybe it's the refrigerator. I don't know, right? Whatever it is, right? I'm going to go get me one. I'm, I can't wait for Mr. Wright. I'm going to get Ms. Wright or whatever. Who cares? We'll go with you. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? That's just poking the bear. Have you ever asked somebody, because I, I, where we were in Wyoming, everybody went out fishing. And you'd always ask them when they came back, did you catch anything? <laughs> right? What is he provoking in them first? Despair. Admitting we ain't got none. No, they answered. Well, why don't, have you thrown out your net on the other side? Fishermen, you're like, get out of here. Three feet of, does not make a difference. Right? We've been at this all night. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. You're all on, just on the wrong side of the boat. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But to the renewed mind, 
the illogical looks logical. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John who's writing it, said to Peter, It's the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him, he said, It's the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. Okay, guys. He had a light linen robe underneath. That was like his underwear, wrapped around. And he puts on a heavy cloak and dives into the water. Anybody tried to swim? Like, you know, it's like trying to swim with a bear wrapped around you. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. You guys remember last time we saw a fire of burning coals? It's there in the courtyard of the high priest when Peter said, I don't even know the man. Do you think that's a mistake? Literally, this is the only two times in scripture a coal burning fire appears. Jesus is like, Smells familiar. Smells like despair? Much? Here's Peter just soaking wet, just standing there. Jesus is like, want to talk about anything? Jesus said to them, bring me some of the fish you caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore all by himself. They couldn't lift it in, but he's like, okay, 153, it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Okay, guys, the third time. Anybody here glad that God will keep coming after you again and again and again till you get it? Who hears on your seventh time? Right? He is a love. He pursues us. I love this. They're still like, we don't know what we're doing. I love it. Anyway. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than what? These fish more than what other people think of you? Do you love me more than these? And he uses this word agape. This word agape is self-giving love that truly only God can give. Now, we've watched Peter. What did Peter do the last time Jesus said? Really? Are you really going to lay down your life? No, I will never do it, right? What does he say this time? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He uses a different word. In the Greek, we only have one word for for love and uh, in English, but they have multiple in in the Greek. And a phileo is I love you like a brother. Is he being honest? Yeah, he's because I I can't do that. I can't do that, Jesus. I'm not able. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but right now, honestly, I can't. Jesus said, okay. Yeah, he said, then feed my lambs. Do what I asked you to do rather than go fishing. He, uh, so a second time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Why do you think he's calling him Simon? What did Jesus call him? Peter. Peter. Simon, 
I know what you think about yourself. I know the names you call yourself. You don't have to shout them out. Some of them are not legal. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody here? Maybe, what's the name you call yourself? Maybe idiot. Maybe loser. Maybe pathetic. Maybe beep. I don't know. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you like a brother. He said, okay, take care of my sheep, like I said. And the third time he said to Simon, son of John, do you truly love me like a brother? And Peter goes, was hurt because Jesus was even questioning that. Do you really love me, Phileo, like a brother? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know I do Phileo you. I do love you like a brother. And listen to what he says. He said, then feed my sheep. What's he doing right here? He's saying, That's, I see where you're at right now. Don't worry. I'll bring you to the agape. But you have enough right now in me to begin to do what I've asked you to do. You don't have to be fully, exactly like Jesus, to begin to be obedient to him. He says, you have enough in me to begin to be obedient and walk in what I've called you to do. Who here, God's told you to do something, and you're like, I can't! Until X, Y, Z happens. And Jesus said, take the first step. Take the first step. Will you take the first step? You have enough in me to take the first step. If you'll be honest, you don't have this. You just got this. But if you'll be honest, I'll take you there. And here's where we're going to end. Psalm 139. I'm just doing two verses. Don't worry. Psalm 139 is this amazing chapter where David is saying, God, you've searched me. You know me. You know everything about me. You've, you've wired me this way. You, in my mother's womb, you made me this way. And, and listen, there's nowhere I can go from your presence. Even if I make my bed in hell, there you are. Anybody met him in hell? He's so good. But he ends with this thing. Search me, God, and know my heart. See, any, if we do self-analysis, we'll always come out depressed. 3 a.m. is a great time to do self-analysis. We'll always come out crushed. This won't encourage us. God, he says, "Mm, I can't be trusted. Jeremiah put it this way. The heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Jesus, I'm going to have to trust you to tell me about my heart, what you say about me. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. He's owning up. I got tons of them. I got tons of them. Speak to my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any offensive way in me. Whatever you put your finger. Do you, think, do you think David had some offensive ways in him? That's not a trick question. He had tons. He had tons. You and I have tons. If I pulled myself against the full standard of who God is making me to be, I'll always be depressed. But if I'll listen, he will show me the one little, the one area he's calling me out of darkness into his marvelous light. What's that one in? Point out the offensive way that you want to deal with and then lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me into the truth that you're promising me. 
we can have the worship team come. I don't know what truths, what, what is the, the he who is truth is confronting in you today. I know for myself. What I want to say is, maybe you're condemned, you feel condemned by the promise of God that he's given you, kind of like Abraham or Sarah. Maybe, maybe you feel condemned because you've already gone your Hagar way. Maybe you feel despair because you thought you could follow God in your own strength and you can't. Maybe you feel despair because, well, to be perfectly honest, your life sucks. I don't know. Whatever it is, that place of despair, I would encourage you right now, grab onto it. Don't hide from it. Lean into that one area and say, God, this is what I've got. What do you want me to know about this place today? You say that I, I am more than a conqueror, but right now I feel beat down. I feel dominated, destroyed. You say, God, what do you want to speak? What do you want me to know? And as I say yes to what he wants me to know about these areas of despair, I will step out of the boat onto the waves. And I will be more than a conqueror so we can stand. Lord, we worship you. We stand before you. You are our good shepherd. You will lead us out of darkness into your marvelous light. If we will not run from you in despair, but lean into you, you will deliver us from all our fears. For you are love. So Holy Spirit, we just ask you to search our hearts and just show us, search us and show us what we actually believe in under our intellectual belief. What do we believe in our hearts? And then help us to be just raw and absolutely honest with you. Just absolutely honest with you. Like so many of us have saying right now that we are not slaves to fear. But the reality is we are just, um, we spend nights circling in our minds, bound in fear, bound in anxiety. And just, just say to him right now, Jesus, I want to believe. I want to be free. But this is my reality. This is where I am right now. This is my little truth is that I'm just just completely bound up by all this anxiety, by all this fear. Just, and I really don't believe, Jesus, that you will be there for me. Just tr- start becoming real in those areas. Just start becoming real and honest because that's the only area where he can actually meet you. That's what real confession is called, is us becoming real, is becoming just speaking honestly, opening up our hearts vulnerably. It's just saying, Jesus, this is where I really am. This is where I really am. I know that's not the big truth, but this is where I am. Just, I just, I just, I confess that I am in despair. I confess that I'm bound by fear. Just start confessing right now. I confess that I am scared of my circumstances and whatever, whatever the area that you have not believed that he will show up for you. Just be honest with him right now. Just say, Jesus, I really do not believe that you will show up in my finances. Like everywhere else, you're good. But this area, I really don't believe. Just start saying it. Just start saying what's you really going on in your heart. And as you start, uh, because this is the area where he will meet you, where we open up honestly, where you show up, like the real you shows up. 
with your real things and he's like okay we can work with that once the confession is out i can start changing your mind i can start changing your mind to what's actually true what i'm actually speaking over you but as long as you're holding this bound up in just in all this stuff and not confessing it not recognizing it not being honest with it there is nothing he can do to help you so jesus just help us to be so courageous just to come out without stuff what we actually feeling and thinking in our heads just with the tr- with our little truth of what we believe our reality to be so that you can speak a better word so you can speak a different word so you can just um shatter the lies so you can shatter the lies so the truth can just ring out in our hearts so we can have a different experience Ooh. I really believe he really spoke to me that the next three weeks are very important. Um, for those of you who know, this is like the Jewish New Year, the Yom Kippur, and just um, just a very uh, Rosh Hashanah, just a, just a pivotal moment in the year. I really feel like he's saying this is a time to get real with the Lord, to just open our hearts and just, I would really encourage all of us to take this three weeks, to go and journal, to go deep, to let him just confront the lies that we believe so that we can step into the truth step into the what he has for us just such a beautiful time holy spirit we just ask you that you would search us over the next three weeks and you will show us things that are not aligned with you that are not aligned with how you see us that are not aligned with what you call us are not aligned with who we truly are and we just ask you just to change our hearts and move us quickly. If you want to just give him permission to move you quickly over the next three weeks. Jesus, here I am. Search me. Just put your finger at whatever you need to put your finger on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.